Welcome back to the Loading Bar Podcast. I've got a new one for you Nintendo lovers out there as we check out Mario Galaxy, the smash Wii hit that completely reinvented the Mario wheel, or at the very least, was a new and refreshing take on the 3D Mario formula. I'm kind of late to the party with this game. As you know, I've not really grown up with Nintendo. I was an Xbox kid, so I missed out on lots of titles that defined a lot of kids' childhoods. My introduction to this game was when I got it last year, actually, when a bundle was released that included Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, and Mario Galaxy. Finally, I could relive what I had missed out as a kid with these genre-defining titles. Unfortunately, I am now accustomed to better programmed games, and games like Mario 64 really are incredibly difficult to get through, but I still had a lot of fun. I just think it doesn't hold up as well as some other titles. But its contribution to modern gaming is without question. Without it, the 3D era of gaming would not be what it is today. Sunshine was the one I was most excited for, as I have fond memories of the commercials and hearing friends talk about it a lot when I was a kid. I once again got my hopes up that I would recapture something I missed out on as a kid, but alas, that one too is a little dated. I will say that I am fully aware that I set my expectations a little too high for these, but I did have fun playing regardless, let me just make that clear. When I popped in Mario Galaxy, I had a completely different experience with it. I had so much fun playing this game with my partner, who was herself a huge fan of this game as a kid. Out of all of the three on the bundle, this one is for sure my favorite. Mario Galaxy is a beautiful journey that captures players' attention with the visuals, gameplay, and what is in my opinion an incredibly strong draw, the musical score. With Mario games setting the standard for 3D video games after the success of 64, Nintendo had to continue to step it up. Sure, they still continue to release side-scrolling adventures and party games to hit every target audience, but the 3D adventure games were, and actually still are, the main draw and showcase of Mario games. Galaxy delivers in a way that kept the series fresh and fun while building on the already established core mechanics. With space being the theme of the game, things like gravity, black holes, and shooting stars are critical gameplay elements added, allowing for some pretty crazy levels and challenges. Still, Mario is Mario at the end of the day, so there isn't too much deviation from the status quo. But hey, why fix what isn't broken, right? Before we continue on to the development, let's first check out this episode's featured cocktail. Actually, I'm not really sure you can classify a milkshake as a cocktail, but I can't promise you that booze is in fact in this one. This week's drink is sure to put you in a Halloween mood. Either that or rot your teeth. This cocktail is a first for the loading bar, as it is the first boozy milkshake I have covered on the show. This is the Boozy Screamsicle, and it is all presentation, which is why I caught my eye while researching fall drinks. I found it in an article by Lena Abraham on delish.com, covering a list of Halloween drinks, which I'll leave a link to if you want to check out any of the other featured cocktails covered. This drink is definitely for sweets lovers, which I must admit, I am not. But for those who have that craving for candy, you'll definitely get your fill here. The recipe serves for four, so depending on how many you wish to make, I would have the ingredients if that's too many. You will need chocolate sauce for garnish, six Oreos, finely crushed, one quart orange sherbet, three-fourths of a cup milk, eight ounces vanilla vodka, 
whipped cream for garnish, and orange and black sprinkles for garnish. Pour two tablespoons of chocolate sauce onto a small, shallow plate. Place Oreo crumbs on a second small plate. Dip rims of serving glasses first in the chocolate sauce, then in the Oreo crumbs. Combine the sherbet, milk, and vodka in a blender, and blend to combine. Drizzle some chocolate sauce on the inside of each serving glass, then fill it with the milkshake. Garnish with whipped cream, remaining Oreo crumbs, and sprinkles. When you hear the term milkshake, I'm sure alcohol is not the first thing that comes to mind. Just a smooth, ice cream style drink that comes in a variety of flavors, right? Well, what if I told you that the original milkshake was actually a pretty strong alcoholic beverage? Hard to believe, I know. But while doing research into the first alcoholic milkshake, I couldn't find what I was looking for. Just the history of milkshakes. Which in my biased mind, led me to believe that I would not find the answers that I was seeking. Turns out, it was all right in front of me, as the answers often are. According to an article by Vanibble.com, the original milkshake was first printed in bartender's manuals in 1885. It was made with whiskey, eggs, and cream, and was served as both a beverage and a tonic. It wasn't until 1922 when the modern milkshake that we commonly associate with today was made. By adding two scoops of ice cream to malted milk and chocolate syrup, Walgreens employee Ivor Pop Colson created the first proper milkshake. He also simultaneously created the first blender, so thanks for your ingenuity, Pop Colson. Alcohol has made its return to milkshakes, and there are so many amazing adult milkshakes out there. A lot of them usually use whiskey, bourbon, and Baileys to name a few. Anything that will go well with cream is usually used. Some even use gin or tequila, often coupled with fruit over things like chocolate or vanilla. So, with our boozy, screamsicle, Oreoed, and ready to go, kick up your feet and get ready to blast off into the unknown with Mario Galaxy. Mario Galaxy was developed by Nintendo EAD Tokyo and was directed by Yoshiaki Koizumi, who had previous experience working closely on time-honored titles such as Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and Mario Sunshine. Development began after the completion of Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, a title for the GameCube that had you use a type of bongo drum controller. As is the case with almost all of Nintendo's titles, speculation on the internet was huge. Many theories were bounced around, such as this being Super Mario 128, a tech demo that was released to show off the GameCube's capabilities, or the final GameCube title in general, or simply just Super Mario Wii. The game was announced during E3 2006, and much to Nintendo's annoyance, images of the game had been leaked the night before. During this press conference, the Wii was introduced as the new Nintendo console and would be released in North America on November 19, 2006. Mario Galaxy was briefly featured along with other titles that would be coming to the Wii, but it was not until November of 2007 that Mario Galaxy would hit shelves. Koizumi-san was the primary programmer of Mario's 3D model and also many of his actions as he wanted to make sure that Mario's movements would accommodate the new style of gameplay, while also keeping with traditional Mario skills and abilities. Other than Koizumi-san, Shigeru Miyamoto was also heavily involved in the project as he is the creator of Mario and would provide input into various areas of how he envisioned the game should look or play. Apparently. Miyamoto's instructions weren't always super clear, and in one case, 
He had to act out how he wanted Mario to look while swimming by acting out the motions on a chair so that Koizumi-san and his team could really understand what he wanted. Koizumi-san stated that one of his favorite accomplishments on Galaxy was the camera, which had reached its peak implementation in this game. If you've ever played Mario 64 or Mario Sunshine, you can fully understand the massive improvement that Galaxy had on the camera controls. Koizumi-san went on record stating that he approached the development of this game with the mindset that he was a chef presenting his kitchen staff with his latest recipe that they would attempt to create. His team, however, had reservations about the general scope and were not fully confident that such a task could be completed. But even Miyamoto-san said he liked what he saw, so they had to go for it. Koizumi-san and his team would send Miyamoto-san samples of what they had, and he would provide feedback on what he liked or what he thought that they could improve upon. The focus that Nintendo imposed on all of them was to create a game that best represented the Wii's capabilities. But they took it above and beyond, putting in sleepless nights and man hours to create one of the best Mario titles ever. Mario Galaxy's levels were Mario Galaxy's levels were designed as spherical planets that allowed for the camera to never need to be repositioned, which is a contentious point in Mario games in the past. In previous titles, you could run along a straight plane, but eventually would hit a wall, and the camera would reposition itself in sometimes frustrating angles. In Mario Galaxy, the camera limitations are all but gone, as you can run around a large or small spherical planet without the camera readjusting itself allowing the player to freely and be able to reposition in any way that was comfortable. These planets were not confined to spheres though. Many took the form of various shapes, like planets in the shape of ice cream or apples. Koizumi-san stated that many of the planets were based on food as they were images that almost everybody liked. I know I do. Food's great. Satoru Iwata, president of Nintendo at the time, stated that he was not sure how adding planets would change how Mario played, and even Koizumi-san was in disbelief of taking the painstaking time to create them. At this point, Koizumi-san was using saucers, as this was displayed in the Super Mario 128 or Super Mario Revolution, as this was its now working title. The development team was actually kind of split down the middle in terms of their enthusiasm in creating a 3D world with spheres as the main environment. Some praising the idea of the challenge of being able to work on the next big three-dimensional step in gaming, while others cited feeling like they lacked the capability. One of the hurdles that the team had to overcome was how a character like Mario, who runs and jumps on things, would translate as a 3D character running around on a 3D space. This was a big reason why the game implemented the spin attack that Mario can do. This way, if Mario was on the bottom side of a planet, and jumping onto the target was problematic, you could do the spin attack to take out enemies. Music for this game was composed by Mahito Yokota, who worked on Jungle Beat and Twilight Princess, and Koji Kondo, who had been working on the Super Mario series soundtrack since the beginning. Unlike past titles, this game implemented a complete 50-person orchestra after Yokota-san continuously asked Miyamoto-san until he gave the okay. This was a big change that many were apprehensive about at first because of the cost and the big switch from how Mario would normally be scored. So the general question was, would this style of music fit with Mario? Well, with Koji Kondo working closely with the music team, it stayed not only authentic, but set a kind of new precedent for mainline Nintendo franchise soundtracks. 
Orchestras were now heard in games like Zelda or Sonic or Super Smash Bros to name a few. The orchestra was christened the Mario Galaxy Orchestra, and from first-hand listening experience, it is absolutely beautiful. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Yokota-san was stated to have a rather difficult time composing the score for the game, as he believed that the core essence of Mario was cuteness. Kondo-san stated honestly that if you have an image in your head that Mario is cute, please get rid of it. This caused Yokota-san to rethink everything he had created, and included more epic compositions. What's more, the main theme for the game that he composed wasn't even used, and taken out of the game completely. After that, making the soundtrack had become incredibly depressing for him. It was actually Koji Kondo's theme for Good Egg Galaxy that was chosen in a blind study that would set how the rest of the game would kind of sound. So what is the story of Mario Galaxy? The story for this game isn't exactly drowning in depth like some of the other games I've covered, but don't treat that as a detriment or a criticism. It's just simple and fun. Our story begins with Mario heading over to Peach's castle to check out this meteor shower dropping colorful star bits all over the Mushroom Kingdom. But once again, Bowser and his cronies show up to crash the party and not only take Peach, but the whole castle. Bowser shows up in a flying saucer, and fire-in-the-sky style abducts everyone. Mario tries to follow suit, but is thrown off the ship and plummets to the earth. He is rescued by the lonely traveler Rosalina, and her ship piloted by Lumas, an alien race of star people. To save Peach, Mario and Rosalina have to get the stolen stars that power up several areas of the ship to be fully operational. Mario ventures to several galaxies in order to liberate them from Bowser's control, find the Power Stars, and save the Lumas. Along the way, Mario learns more about Rosalina from these beautifully illustrated and scored storybook pages that you can unlock as you continue through the game. Luigi also makes a minor appearance in order to help you find bonus stars. Mario Galaxy has all of the staple elements of a 3D Mario title. The focus is on puzzle platforming, and your moves are specifically suited for the challenge. Mario can run, jump, triple jump, wall jump, and backflip. As mentioned, you also have a new move in the form of a spin attack. Mario can use this in a variety of helpful ways such as stunning enemies, or getting a little bit more air on a jump, and smashing through obstacles. Mario's trademark powers and abilities like the Fire Flower are back with some new additions such as the Bumblebee suit that allows you to fly around for a bit and stick to honey on the walls, an ice flower to freeze water and create new platforms, a weird spring suit that changes Mario into a legit spring that you can use to jump even higher, though moving around is a little tricky, especially with pitfalls around. Finally, you can get a Red Star power-up that lets you fly around... that lets... <coughs> Finally, you can get a Red Star power-up that lets you fly around after spinning in mid-air. You make your way through many of Mario's enemies like Goombas and Koopas, but also some more alien-looking creatures that take various forms. Each galaxy ends with a boss fight against some familiar characters like Monty Mole, Petey Piranha, Kamek the Magic Koopa, and Bowser himself. When you complete the course the first time around, you can go back and complete a new challenge for another star. You need a minimum amount of stars in order to challenge Bowser in the final battle to save the Mushroom Kingdom, but you can continue to play the past galaxies and find hidden ones in order to fully complete the star list. 
In order to explore new galaxies, you need large power stars to open up new areas of the hub world, feed hungry lumas a set number of star bits, and have enough regular stars to unlock new planets in a certain galaxy. You can also use star bits that you pick up from enemies or just in the overworld to shoot and stun enemies, and a second player can even jump in on the fun and control the shooting of said star bits. I think that being introduced to this game as an adult has made me a little jealous of those who grew up with Mario games and Nintendo in general. I'm making up for lost time though, thanks to the Nintendo Switch. Hell, after the latest Nintendo Direct, they announced that they would be adding Nintendo 64 titles to Nintendo Online. So it's safe to say I'm making up for lost time. I especially had a great time experiencing this game with my partner who never hesitates to laugh in shock whenever I just miss a jump, falling into a black hole. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. If any of you are interested in sharing how your cocktails turned out, making them at home, send me a picture and I'll feature them on the podcast Instagram page. Please check out some of my other episodes for more history and reviews on classic and modern games with corresponding cocktail history. Please feel free to check out my link tree in the description of the episode for all my social media dwellings. And stay tuned for news on Twitch streams, live episodes, and possible future guests. Hey, it could happen. Finally, if you have any comments or feedback, feel free to email me or message me. Until next time, everyone, this is your host, signing off.